The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Welcome to Roundtable, where we serve up piping hot debates on the issues that sizzle in China and beyond. I'm Yo Honglin, sitting in for He Yang, who's on a business trip. She'll be back next week. Coming up on today's show, we continue our exploration in the vibrant world of Siftus. In our last episode, we delved into the exhibitor's perspective, but today it's all about you, the real audience. We're not just going to give you a glimpse into the fair's trends, we'll also discuss how they're reshaping our daily lives. Also, in a world where climate change is no longer just a buzzword but a stark reality, we find ourselves revisiting a series of profound discussions that couldn't be more relevant today. In the second half of the show, we take you to the idyllic islands of Hawaii, where deadly wildfires grab the attention of people all around the world. Join us as we relive this episode, exploring solutions for the challenges ahead. For today's discussion, I'm joined by Xin Yu and Dou Hongyu in the studio. So, Hongyu, it's your first time on Roundtable. Yes, it's my pleasure. Uh, great to have you. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you do when you are now doing Roundtable. Well, I'm actually working for the newsroom, and my work is basically presenting news and preparing news for our news programs. So. It's basically about presenting people from around the world what is happening in China and in other countries. Great! So cool! So if you guys like the voice you're listening to, you can also try to find headline news in our website yes. and also other podcast platforms to take a listen into the nice and very professional voice of Dou Hong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Great to have you. Now, grab your virtual compass and follow us to the heart of the discussion. The 2023 China International Fair for Trade and Services, or CIFTUS, is underway at the China National Convention Center and Shogun Park in Beijing. With the participation of some 2,400 enterprises on site from across the globe, this year's fair showcases some of the latest development of global services. Besides professional audience that may be busy seeking business opportunities and learning about the latest trend in the industry, public audiences are also welcomed to pay a visit and have a good time. So as a regular folk, everyday person like myself, when I step into the bustling world of Siftus 2023, what can I expect to enjoy and discover? Well, this year's CIFTIS offers over 200 activities, including forums and nine thematic exhibitions at Shogun Park, as well as some negotiations. And two venues, China National Convention Center and Shogun Park, cover an area of 
155,000 square meters. It That's sounds huge. It sounds huge, but when you enter this Shougang Park and actually measure the site with your own footsteps, it's huge. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you should bring Snickers if you're enjoying the event. Yeah, get your legs well prepared for a journey that can be exhausting. <laughs> But fulfilling. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. <laughs> what are some other activities that I can enjoy? I know there are a lot of booths, a lot of um, exhibition, a lot of activities in terms of the ones that's prepared and provided by the uh, business owners. But what are some other events that I might have the opportunity to enjoy? Well, there are also forums and there are also various activities on the booth held by those exhibitors. For example, there are shows in the pavilion of tourism and culture yeah. because they are trying to get attention of people. <laughs> and one of the ways to get people's attention is to make their booth really, really loud with music, <laughs> and especially traditional music ah. um, based on their cultures. So this is one kind of activity. And I was also very interested in a booth that gave people the show. It's not a booth, actually. It was originally a forum. And then after the forum, the stage was empty. So they took advantage of the stage and invited a clown to perform on that stage. The clown was making That's balloon toys for kids. Ah. Yeah, there were also kids in those pavilions with their parents. So as you see, many of the activities are for attracting people's attention and getting people to their booth. Yeah. So, so which ones are the most popular? Because I didn't have the luxury of visiting, <laughs> but both of you did. So based, which are the most popular? Yeah, based on my observation, I think the most crowded one and the most popular one must be the Culture and Tourism Services Exhibition. What do you uh, think? I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's really packed with visitors from, I think, across the city or across the country. And this year, it has a strong focus on digital experiences. And for instance, like Chinese telecom giant China Mobile introduced this pair of AR glasses that allow users to immerse themselves virtually in the world of the Mogao Grottoes. It's a renowned cultural heritage site in Dunhuang in northwestern part of China. And actually, people are lining up for this popular digital experience like this one. So how about we hear what a visitor says after taking a virtual tour in Dunhuang Grottoes? Uh, I feel so impressed by uh, watching such delicate details. And it is so great to get so close to the, to the great legacy of Chinese history. And wearing those glasses, I feel myself just get back to the history and be a part of the situations. Well, I haven't had a chance to experience Dunhuang, but I did try a VR headset that takes you to the world of Yuan Mingyuan, also known as the Old Summer Palace. Um, what we see today on site is the ruins of the garden after it was destroyed during the war. And thanks to digital tech, it recreates the glory of the park in the past and by putting on this headset, you are transported to this beautiful Yuan Mingyuan landscape that don't exist anymore and you can have some idea what it was like before. So it kind of reminds me how digital technology can um, transform people's experience in terms of tourism. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you're saying is that thanks to 
naked eye 3D display, digital twin, and AI. Not only can we use a AR glasses to have more information yeah. about mm-hmm. the relics, about the whatever the painting mm. or a any kind of exhibits that we're looking at have more information about those. We can also wear glasses and enter a world where Yuan Ming Yuan still exists. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm not wrong, maybe technology can also be used to transport quote unquote, some of the very precious treasure of the nation outside of the country so people can mm. have a experience about them. Yeah. You do not have to worry about transport. You do not have to worry about preserve these very valuable relics. You can just transport their AI dubs, their <laughs> digital twin out there. How smart. <laughs> <laughs> and what I was really focusing on in the pavilion of tourism and culture was those fascinating, let's say, creative cultural products Ah. designed based on history and based on local cultures. They were even held in competitions. competitions. What kind of competitions? That was competitions about designing those products. For example, I interviewed a local authority in Tongzhou, Beijing. They held such a competition before, and those participants were college students or professional designers, and their tasks was to create those cultural products based on the cultures in Tongzhou. So uh, magnet, ruler, pens, and notebooks are just not good enough. You (laughs) need to use the element to be very creative and come up with some other kind of souvenirs that would attract a lot of audiences, a lot of buyers, and be very popular and also very creative. Is that what they're doing? (laughs) I think so. And I think those cities are pushing people to think outside of the box. But first, they need to study or do research Mm, about local cultures. I think this is a great way to promote their cultures. Did you buy any? (laughs) Uh, No. See, they still need to, you know, um, do a little bit better job. (laughs) All right. So actually, uh, we've talked about which are the most popular sectors. We've drawn a lot of audience. But to you, both of you, which are the ones that caught your eyes? Which are most standout trends or innovation that you noticed? I have to say uh, one of the highlights is the So Real Metaverse Park. It's actually a building complex converted from a giant furnace. So from the outside, it looks very industrial. But once you go inside, it turns into this cyberpunk sci-fi vibe, you know. Mm -hmm. And it has a display of a VR game project where six people, they stand on an actual space of let's say 20 or 30 square meters and they are wearing headsets and holding guns, not real ones, but they are divided into two teams and they have a battle like a CS game. Mm-hmm. So um, just a demonstration, but the technology also enables remote games. For example, like three players in Beijing play with those counterparts from Shanghai. So physically they are not together in the same space, but they are gaming together in the metaverse. So we're logging into the metaverse no matter where we are. Yeah. How amazing is that? (laughs) Yeah, I think think a remote control things is also kind of a, 
I would say trend in this year's Siftus. Actually, I noticed that there is a um, system using 5G network transmission to enable real-time control of remote vehicles and boats with a delay of only 0.05 seconds. Mm. That is actually a world-leading standard, and it was provided by the uh, guest province, Shandong province. So mm. basically, you can go into Siftus, go to their booth, and start driving. You feel like you're only playing a video game because you're sitting in front of a screen and you're using the gears and trying to control. But actually, really far away from you in Shandong province, right next to the Daming Lake, you're actually driving that little remotely controlled car. It's actually riding next to or alongside the Daming Lake and you're controlling it and you can even feel the little bumps on the road thanks to the sensor and sitting in here in Beijing. So remote how, control is also a thing. How fascinating. <laughs> I don't know if I want to feel the bumpy on the road, but I definitely want to remotely drive a car so far away from me. Mm. I think this is amazing how these virtual reality or augmented reality help us to experience what we cannot in our real life. And related to this technology, what really got me was how this kind of X-reality technology is being used in education. Mm. For example, I went to the booth of Higher Education Press, and they were displaying a platform they built for colleges, universities, and other kinds of schools to create their own virtual reality courses and upload their courses to share them with other people. And I actually experienced one of them. That mission was to build up the the homemade C919 huge jet airplane. And what I did was also putting on a pair of special glasses. Mm. I don't know what name is for that glasses. And then I was given a remote controller, mm -hmm. let's say. And then I was instantly into a world with a giant keyboard in front of me. And I could click on that keyboard with my remote controller. And then when I turned back, there was a huge window and outside of it was a huge plane. I believe that was C, the model of C919. And in that system, I was able to tried my best to help build up the plane, which I couldn't do. And <laughs> so I failed. And the system told me that I've caused huge loss. <laughs> I think this proves us why such technology is important in education, especially for science students mm. in universities, because they need to practice their experimental skills and they need to practice what they're going to do in the future. But if that practicing process or if that experiment is to cost a lot of money or materials, then the students may not be able to do those experiments. Mm. So with virtual reality, they can carry out those experiments in a virtual world without really uh, causing losses. So build a plane in meta universe first, and then yes. build a plane in the real world. Yes. Actually, this is not only for uh, students who are doing something that's very costly. But if you think about medical students, if you're sure. learning to do mm, surgery, sure. of course, you would want them to do it really well, then have them perform on a real body. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a really good 
I would have, say training experience. Yeah, they have such kind of courses for medical students, of course. Ah, actually, ah. if we combine this technology with the um, really fast internet, the five G technology, and the remote control we talked about, actually. I think there have already been cases where really professional and talented surgeons performed remote surgeries on patients because, again, that's coming back a little bit to our previous point. That is remote control with、mm-hmm. the help of five G. We can reach a really, really short delay, making sure that if you are actually performing surgery on someone, you do not, you know, mistakenly cut anything wrong. But that's、yeah. the idea. So, yeah, that's actually. Uh, provide a really good answer already for my next question. That is, I was wondering whether or not, in your opinion, there are some trend you spot on or some innovation that you find very interesting that will fundamentally change our lives. So, apart from these examples, do girls see any other examples? Well, as a sports lover, I have to say, in the sports sector, I tried out this. Monitoring system for physical posture, and I talked to Zhu Chunming, vice president of China's sports platform Joy Run, and let's first listen to what he says about this latest launch. Today, this exhibition is the Weightlifting Sports Performance Monitoring System (WeRun) part of the Health and We are presenting our newly launched comprehensive health monitoring and exercise prescription module at the exhibition. It primarily focuses on addressing issues of correcting physical posture and identifying potential risks for individuals engaged in physical activities. In the past, achieving medical-grade monitoring required complex hardware configurations, but today you can simply record a short video of you running, jumping, or walking via our app. And AI-powered visual recognition system will analyze your posture and identify potential exercise risks for you. Yeah, I've tried this system. Basically, I walked on the spot in front of a camera, and after a few minutes, the result will show. How my physical posture is and what potential risks my, I might have when it comes to exercise. So apparently, the result shows that I have a forward head posture. <laughs> <laughs> I think many of our colleagues have the same. But、I'm、sitting up straight right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before the test, I have always had this neck and shoulder pain, but I didn't quite pay attention to it and. I think I ignored it for some time until the test result somehow reminded me what I should pay attention to. And and in some other cases, like some people have this, their feet tilt outwards. And the Zhu Chunming told me that for them, they need to choose suitable sports equipments like shoes. Otherwise, such random exercise would lead to injuries and pain. So I think it's transforming in ways that. Not only it's convenient because you don't need to visit the hospitals; you just need to take your videos of doing sports, and then it will give you instant results of how your physical posture is. And also, it helps people to enjoy sports in a smarter way, because as、um, sports lovers, we long for the joy that sports bring to us. But at the same time, we also want to keep injury and pain as far as away. From us, so technology can be a real supplementary tool for us to enjoy sports for a longer time. 
On the show Roundtable, we often discuss how AI will take our job. Now, apparently, <laughs> the trainer's job is in line as well. <laughs> well, because with the help of artificial intelligence and big data, of course, we our postures can be analysis. And if you are the one like myself who are not that sensitive. About your personal data, you can also、mm. upload your personal data, including your blood pressure, your heart rate, and a lot of other information,、yeah. so that they can give it a really good analysis. I think in the health sector, it is really helpful as well.、Mm. Yeah, and this kind of technology is also used in schools. I went to iFlyTech.、Mm-hmm. They have this system that can, let's say, track students' body gestures. On PE classes, I mean, we've already passed the age of going to PE classes.、Oh, so sad. <laughs> I regret about it because those students on the playground they can be tracked by those monitors, which can send the data based on their、uh, movements、mm. back to, let's say, a system, and then the system will tell them how can they improve. Their P scores maybe, so in this case they do not need professional training. I mean, we have been to P classes for numerous times, yeah. But till today, I'm still not sure how can I improve my physical <laughs> performance. So I think this AI technology or this、uh, computer neural systems can really help students to improve their physical health. It feels like entering Siftus 2023. We're entering a life ten years ahead of us. Oh wow! <laughs> yes. And actually, according to the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology of China, the number of Chinese enterprises in the AI industry has risen to more than four. Thousand three hundred in twenty twenty three, with another seventy five companies joining the field. So yes, artificial intelligence is big and、mm-hmm. it's happening. And I'm very glad that we already have a slew of regulations in the form of laws, regulations, and devices and guidelines helping the industry to grow. Relatively more healthier and prosperously,、mm-hmm. and I was wondering. And actually, both of you are journalists who have covered a lot of different areas, focusing on different issues. So I was wondering, in what ways do these trends align with the current global challenges, such as climate change? We've talked about climate change quite、mm-hmm. a lot on Roundtable these days, especially after the extreme climate disasters that's happening all around the globe, and also sustainability, so sustainable development and、uh, public health concerns. These are all major topics that probably for common Joes, for average people on the street, we don't really think about them every day. But they do affect our everyday life in every shape and form. Well, I've already taken a tour in the pavilion of environmental services.、Mm-hmm. There were a lot of companies there, both from China and from some other countries, and they were offering their Green solutions to maybe the Chinese society, and I was particularly interested in the concept of, let's say, city station, but it's actually a public restroom or public toilets.、Oh. Yeah, that was a very small booth covering about thirty square meters, and on the right are four toilets, but they are extremely clean and. They smell great <laughs> because they have this very special ventilation system,、oh. 
Oh. Uh, if the gas smells terrible in those rooms, the ventilation system will work automatically because there are sensors that are testing the scale of concentration of those gas, and then there are not anyone controlling that system. It works by itself, as well as the lights, of course. So we don't have to educate people to turn off the lights. And also on the left side of that booth is a coffee shop. I know it sounds weird. <laughs> I couldn't believe in it before coming to that booth. I, I think the design is intentional. Yes, in a way, that? because you want to showcase how clean and、ah. how automatic it is. You—that's、hmm. my wild guess, actually. Well, but when I really saw it. Well, I was really convinced actually,、mm. because the toilets are really clean and they smell great. So it wouldn't stop me from buying coffee、mm. next to those toilets. And the whole booth was powered by solar energy because there are solar panels on the top of the booth. So you don't have to provide other、um, sources of energy to those, let's say, small booth. Uh, city stations, and there are already six hundred such city stations in China, and they are planning to build more, especially in Beijing. And they that exhibitor、uh, showed up at this year's CIFTIS because they want to communicate with officials in Beijing、mm-hmm. to build more such city stations across the capital.、Mm, that is a very vivid and lovely example. I think sometimes. <laughs> We have to change the world or protect the planet a little bit, one example at a time, and、mm. that is one nice, small but significant step. Yes, you're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, it's been three weeks after wildfires swept across Maui. Local government has announced that 99% of the search of the burn area had been completed, which means some of the dead may never be found or identified. After the break, we revisit our discussion right after the deadly fire just broke out about how to cope with climate anxiety. Stay tuned.